I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. We're going to continue on the subject of secret prayer in the life of the ministry leader. But today, before we get started, I feel like we need to pray. So Heavenly Father, I just come to you today in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of each and every one of those who are hearing this message. And I thank you that your spirit is upon me and that you have anointed me to minister this word. I pray, Father, that you would give me wisdom in how I deliver this word. I sense in my heart that you have a direction and a vein that you want me to go in, so I rely on you, Holy Spirit, to take us there. And I pray for the hearers that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that you would increase them in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And Jesus, we'll give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory for everything that's said and done in this lesson today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about secret prayer in the life of the ministry leader. And it, by, by way of review, we found out that Jesus himself was a man of prayer. The Bible says that he withdrew into a wilderness. He went to be apart, alone to pray. He would disappear into a mountain. There were times that Jesus prayed after he healed the multitudes. No matter how famous he became, he still understood and maintained his dependency on the Father God. And that dependency on the, on the Father God is kept in the place of secret prayer. And we talked last week about the ministry gifts, just exactly what those ministry gifts are. And we found out that they're found in Ephesians chapter 4. And the Bible talks about these ministry gifts, those that are inside the leaders. And those fivefold ministry gifts are the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And the reason that those ministry gifts are given is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for uh, the edifying in the body of Christ. In other words, those gifts are given to teach and train the church to be everything that God has called us to be, and that is a victorious church. And these fivefold ministry gifts um, that are on the inside of many of you who are leaders have been given to God, and they are called gifts. And these gifts are something that has to not only be acknowledged and received by you, but also has to be acknowledged and received by the people that God sends you to. And if you're called into the fivefold ministry gift, God will have a place for you and a purpose for you and a people for you. So we found out about the fivefold ministry gifts and we thank God for those ministries. They're called to teach the church, to train the church, to get the church ready. And they are also given to us right from the heart of God. And we thank God for them. And they are what they are by the grace of God. 
the, the, the reason they're able to flow in their anointings and be what God has called them to be is because they're given grace to operate in their ministries. That's why the Bible says, unless the Lord build the house, we labor in vain that build it. So we thank God for the grace of God that causes us to operate in the fullness of what we've been called to do as leaders. Leonard Ravenhill once said, men of prayer must be men of steel, for they will be assaulted by Satan even before they attempt to assault his kingdom. That's why we have to be men and women of prayer as leaders, because the enemy does not want your gift to be unwrapped. The enemy wants to steal you, steal from you, kill you, destroy you. He wants to keep your mouth shut. And so as he sees you rising and as he, see God, as he sees God promoting you, you can rest assured that your enemy, the devil, the adversary, will endeavor to come in and sift you as wheat. So we've got to be men and women of prayer. We've got to be men and women of purpose. Yes, have a vision, have a purpose. But we've got to be, first of all, men and women of prayer because our strength as leaders is kept in prayer. You probably know the scripture. The Bible says that when you wait upon the Lord, he renews your strength and you're able to mount up with wings as eagles. So when I find myself growing weary and well-doing, I know exactly what I need to do. I need to turn around, I need, I need to make some changes, and I need to set my face like a flint, and I need to set my affections on things above, not on things on this earth, and I need to set my heart to seek the Lord in a greater measure. We talked about the cares of the church, the cares of the ministries coming upon the ministry leader, and if we're not careful, that will choke our prayer life. Samuel Chadwick once said, prayer is the acid te test of devotion. Not all our works, not all our good deeds. It's prayer that is the acid test of devotion. We can have a lot of works. We can be doing a lot of things for God. But we don't want to be like the, the, the leader that has forsaken their first love and turned to works instead of turning to Jesus. So we want to talk a little bit about some of the Old Testament men and women of prayer. And then we'll get into the heart of our, our, our message. Moses was a man of prayer. He was, he's, and you've heard a lot about Moses. Abraham was a man of prayer. He was a leader. He stood before the Lord and he was a great intercessor. He interceded on the behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God used him mightily. Gideon was a man of prayer. Hannah was a woman of prayer. She prayed for a child and the Lord granted her petition. She knew how to pray. Uh, Samuel was a man of prayer. Solomon was a man of prayer. Uh, Elijah, a great leader in the, in the Old Testament, he was a man of prayer. And then Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, and Ezra. And they, these were great men and women of prayer, but not all maintained their devotion in prayer. And that's where we find our text in Jeremiah chapter 2. And if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn in your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 2. And I'm going to go ahead and begin reading in verse 1. Now this is, uh, this is God speaking to the, to the people. And he's, you're, we're going to find out that he's speaking to leadership. So you're, we're going to find out as we enter into this chapter that not all of the leaders maintained their devotion to God in prayer. We're going to find out what the effects of that lack of devotion were, and we're going to see how God felt about it in his own heart. It says here in Jeremiah chapter 2, it says, Moreover, Jeremiah said, 
Jeremiah speaking, God said to Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to me saying, go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem and say, thus says the Lord God. And he's saying here in verse three, he's saying here, I remember you in the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness in a land not sown. So God is saying, I remember when you loved me. I remember when you pursued me. I remember when you were first in my life. You know, you're married to me and you were devoted to me. And then he goes on to say that something happened, something changed. In other words, they started out right, but something changed. Something changed in their heart. And let's see what it is. He said here in verse five, he said, what injustice has your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me and have been following idols and have become idolaters. Neither did they say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and the shadow of death, through a land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt. And God said in verse seven, and I brought you into a bountiful country to eat of its fruits and its goodness. But he says here, but when you entered in, you defiled my land and made my heritage an an abomination. So what God is saying is, he's saying, you know, I loved you with an everlasting love. I brought you out of hell. I brought you into a bountiful country. I prospered you. I blessed you. And specifically, we're going to find out he was speaking to leadership. I I built your churches. I blessed you financially. I did all these good things for you. He says here in verse eight, and the priest did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after their, after things that did not profit. In other words, he was speaking to the leadership and he was saying, what did I do for you to forsake me? I did all these beautiful things for you, but when you entered in, you forgot about me. You started out right, but something changed in your heart. And I hear the Spirit of God saying that he is calling his leadership to a greater place of devotion in prayer. And the more famous you become and the more he builds your churches and the more he builds your ministries, so much the more you and I need to be spending time in the presence of God instead of turning away and turning to idols. You know, our ministries can be an idol if we're not careful. And what I hear the Spirit of God saying is, He's saying, I am calling my leadership to a greater dimension of prayer. Now, why is He calling us to that? We'll find out. He says here, has a nation changed their gods? Verse 11, which are not gods. He said, but my people, He's not talking about the world. He's saying, my people have changed their glory. For what does not profit? Be astonished, O heavens, at this. And he's saying, be horribly afraid. 
I don't know, when you're in a ministry, I don't know about you, but it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of Almighty God. And I think we need to be afraid if we're not praying. I think we need to be afraid if we're not handling the finances right. I think we need to fear God more than we fear man. So he's saying, be horribly afraid because you're not right before God. And be very desolate, says the Lord. And he says here in verse 13, my people have committed two evils. He said, and what are the two evils? He says, there's two of them. What are they? There's two of them as leaders. There's two evils. What are they? He said, number one, they have forsaken me. See? And I believe, I know that God loves us with an everlasting love. And I know that God not only loves the ministries he's called us to, to, to be, have the oversight thereof, but he loves us more than he loves the ministry he's called us to. I remember one time I was just doing my thing for God and just caught up in a lot of works. And one day, you know, God said to me, you know, Margie, I love you more than I love the ministry that you're called to. And I think sometimes we need to get that mindset that we as leaders need to maintain our own intimate, personal relationship with God. And everything that we, we everything will flow out of that intimacy with Jesus. He said, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have become cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And, and I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, because the art of teaching is repeating. It's a cistern is an artificial reservoir for storing liquids, often an underground tank for storing rainwater. So what God is saying is you have become, when you forsake me and you neglect your prayer life, you become like a broken cistern. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I can tell when I'm a broken cistern, when I'm not flowing in the river of the full potential of the anointing that God has given me. And those are the times I need to turn away from what I'm doing and I need to turn to him with clean hands and a pure heart. Because when we pray, it shows our own spirit and the, and, and the heart of God, our dependency on him. He, so he says, I want you to be full cisterns or containers of my presence. So he's speaking to the priests. He's speaking to the rulers. He's speaking to the prophets. And this is not a popular message. And you know what? I really don't care because you know why? I have been in the ministry over 33 years and I have seen a lot. And it's important for us as leaders and it's important for me especially to teach you up and coming leaders. It's important to, for you to maintain your dependency on Jesus. You can see here in Jeremiah that they started out right and that as time went on, they got off. And the way you stay on course is by maintaining your intimacy with God in the place of secret prayer. It says in the book of James, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. So if you're called into the fivefold ministry, slam dunk, guaranteed, no question about it, there is a stricter judgment upon us. That's why it's important that we study to show ourselves approved unto God, study the scriptures, do our best in word, be everything that God has called us to be. 
but there is a stricter judgment. And I have this thing in my heart that I can't get away from that it, I have seen, and I don't want it to happen to you. You understand what I'm saying to you? I don't want it to happen to you. I have seen ministries start out good and after they're prospered, after they're blessed, after they're raised to a place of prominence, I have seen them fall. I have seen them forsake the fullness of God's counsel. I have seen a lot of things. We as leaders, we don't just want to start out well. We want to finish well. Are you listening? The Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I have run the race. I have finished the course. So John Wesley once said, he said, I have so much to do for God that I spend several hours in prayer before I'm able to do it. When you're called in ministry, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be pulling on your time. Keep Jesus first place in your life, in your heart, and in your home. Amen. I, was re I went to Bible school recently again as a woman in my 40s. After I'd already actually been in ministry, I decided that I wanted to be a better leader. And I decided I needed to sharpen my sword. I decided that I needed to just be everything, even in the natural that God had called me to be. And so I decided to take a public speaking class. And, and you know what? It's okay to keep developing in your gifting and in your calling to keep sharpening yourself. And, and I, I was in this public speaking class, and um, it, was at a, it was at a certain school in a certain place. It was a Bible college. And there was about 30 of us students. And the instructor asked one of the students to get up and shut off the light because they were going to play something on the screen. And we needed the room to be darkened. And when this young man stood up and went to shut the light off, I saw some things about his future. And so I just held it in my heart for a couple of weeks because the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. And there's a time and a season and a purpose to say things. And some things you shouldn't even say if God's been speaking to you, but you got to have wisdom in operating in the gifts. And when the time came, there came a time where the, the, me and two other students, we were sitting together and with this young man, and it was actually his best friend who was sitting next to him. And I said to this young man, I never met him in my life, didn't know who he was, didn't know what anything about him. And we were doing this study thing together. And I, and, and I said, can I share something with you? And he said, yes. He had to be like 19 years old. He was just a young kid. But he had the call of God on his life. You could see it. You could feel it. You knew it. It was in him. He was called before his mother's womb. He had an anointing. He had a calling. And he was at Bible school to train and at Bible school to prepare. And I said to him, and I said very gently, I said, I, I just want to share something with you that I saw in my heart. And I kind of approached him like a mother would. And I said, and I started to tell him that he would, his ministry would supersede his father's ministry and that the, he had the call of an apostle, he had an apostolic calling and, and just spoke into his life in that regard and about the anointing and the calling. But what I warned him about is something I'm going to warn you about. And this is why I'm compelled to share this. I warned him that I saw something way down the road ahead for him. And the beauty of it is, is he had his best friend sitting there so 
I was held accountable and it was just a good thing to have somebody there. And I said to this young man, I said, I'm going to give you a warning. You're going to be raised up by God. Your ministry is going to supersede your father's, but they're going to come a crossroad in your life. And there's going to come a time that you're going to be tempted and the enemy's going to try to sift you and get you off course and get you into sin. And if you do it, you will lose everything. Everything. And I said, remember my words when you get to that place. And the long and short of it is, is his friends began to tell me, and they told me, do you know who I am? I said, I don't know who you are, but you know what? Jesus knows who you are. And it's not important what I know. It's about what Jesus and the Father knows. And the beauty of God is prophecy is given that you may war a good warfare. Just because something's prophesied and spoken doesn't mean it's going to come to pass. Look at Hezekiah. He was supposed to die. He had to set his house in order. His life wasn't right. Things weren't right in his heart. But when he received that prophecy, he repented and he turned his face toward the wall. And the Bible says he repented. God heard his, his heart and God said, you tell Hezekiah, that the captain of my, the, you tell Hezekiah that I will add unto his years 15. So you can turn away. So prophecy is given that you can war good warfare. So this young man's friend said, you know who he is? I said, I don't know who he is. I'm just telling you, I just want to mind my own business. I just want to go to school here, do my thing. But I know what I saw and I'm responsible to say, and he said, well, his father is X, Y, and Z and has this type of ministry. He has, his father has a great ministry. I said, well, you remember what the Holy Spirit said to you. This is a warning. It's what's called the word of wisdom, showing forth things to come. So I just want to encourage you, if you're a young leader, to start out right and if you're going to stay on course and stay on track, you have to maintain your intimacy with Jesus. Now, the disciples and leaders of the early church understood the value and the necessity of prayer. Acts 6, 1 through 4, there arose a complaint because the widows were neglected in the daily distribution. And the apostles said, it isn't good that we should leave the word of God, smart people, and serve tables. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So there comes a time when God wants to promote your ministry. And that's the time that's Isaiah 60, 1 through 4, where men will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. When the anointing and it's, it, uh, is, is rising and you're coming into a new season, and since where God guides, he provides, and, it, and God's the one building your ministry, he will begin to send people across your path to help you and to undergird you in your calling. So the apostles realized that they were coming into a new season in their ministries, and they needed to make some changes. And so it says here, it is not good that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And then they said, we're going to the next level. And so we need to continually give ourselves to what? To prayer and the ministry of the word. 
In other words, God was promoting their ministries. God was setting them apart. They were going into a new phase. And when that begins to happen, because it's not your ministry, it's God's ministry, God will begin to send people across your path to help you, but it's more help the vision, help the destiny, help the ministry gift, help the, the, the ministry baby, so to speak, grow up and be everything. We as leaders are just the containers of God's vision. We're the containers of God's anointing and we're the containers of, the, of these ministry gifts. So that as, as the glory rises in us and the measure of the anointing rises in us for his plan and his purpose, he will begin to bring people across our path to help us. I'll just give you a little warning as well. The enemy will also bring people. I recently, God started to speak to me about some things in regards to promotion. And he said, I'm going to give you a warning. I'm going to bring quickly bring some people into your life. He said, but you've got to be careful. Because at the same time, the enemy sees all those good-hearted, good-motive type people coming. He said, the enemy is going to be bringing some people too. So what does that mean? It means this. You have to be as wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove. You need to have discernment. So it's a good thing to pray to God and say, Lord, give me discernment. Give me, this is a prayer I pray, give me the wisdom to discern what is in my own heart and mind and what is in your heart and mind. Because what happens is we're leaders and the Bible says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So the treasure is in our spirit and our earthen vessels, but we also have emotions, we have a mind, and we have a will. And we need to make sure that what we do is out of, out of the good treasure of our heart and not led by our emotions or led by need. I've done that before where I had a need, I had a need, I had a need. I need somebody to do this. I need somebody to do that. I need, 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 need. And that's when I made the most mistakes. <laughs> so don't be led by needs. Jesus was never led by needs. Even when he healed the sick, he was always led and motivated by faith. And he said, I only do those things I see my father do. Now, Jesus could say that because he was a man of prayer. He was a role model and a man of prayer. Before he chose the 12 disciples, the Bible says he was praying the entire night. So we need to be wise. So here we see the disciples, they're coming into a new phase of ministry. And you'll find as a leader, your ministry goes in times and seasons and in phases. And when you're coming into a new season of prayer, of ministry, what I've discovered and what I feel led to share with you is that when you come into a new phase of ministry, you will find that the Holy Spirit will begin to prompt you to spend more time with him than usual. I would encourage you when you have that unction or you have that leading or you have that knowing, or even if you think in your head, something's coming up the road ahead because God will cause your thoughts to become agreeable with his thoughts when you commit all your plans to him. When you cooperate with God, he'll cooperate with you and your thoughts will become his thoughts and he'll give you these ideas. If you even think that you're about to enter into a new thing or you begin to sense in your heart, 
or let me put it to you this way. When you begin to see things or imagine things or dream things, well, that's the spirit of God speaking to you. God said to Jeremiah, he said, what do you see, Jeremiah? And Jeremiah saw some things happening before they ever even manifested. And I'll tell you, there may be some things that you see coming up the road ahead that some people say you are out of your mind. And if you share your vision to the wrong person, you will not only be ridiculed like Joseph and thrown into prison, but you'll be rejected by people. So do the wise thing. What would be the wise thing? Be like Mary who hid those things in her heart, her heart. She had a vision from God. She had an angel visit her. He said, blessed are you among women. The Lord is with you. But she didn't go open her mouth and tell everything that she knew about what God was doing. I mean, there's things that I've seen in my spirit. You know, I just don't tell everybody what I see. And I just watch God bring the people and I'm going to say something, just be, when God is doing something, he will also send a counterfeit. Even for this project, we had this, I've had this project in my heart for over a year, a year, about eight, nine months, let's be about exact. And God sent a, a, another person that was just not a right fit for what we wanted to do. And I waited on God. Listen, if God's in it, he will bring the right people. Joyce Myers, in talking about seeing things in your spirit before, um, you know, you see them manifested in the flesh. If you've ever heard of Joyce Meyer, she's got a wonderful, stable ministry. She's uh, right on with the Word, right on with the Holy Spirit. And, and she, when she was raising her three children in her home, she just knew that God had a plan for her life. And she saw herself ministering in the capacity that she's ministering in today. And this was, this was while she was yet a mother. So you will see things in your spirit before they ever happen in the natural. So when you begin to sense that there's a new season upon you, what I would encourage you to do is separate yourself. Go into prayer and seek the face of God. And there's preparation time is not wasted time. It's just like in a natural army. In the natural army, you know, and we're all in the army of God. Everybody just has a different position. In the army of God, in the, or in the natural army, there's times when people camp, and then there's times when they pursue and they overtake. If you're in a season of camping, meaning God is calling you to spend some extra time with him, then go ahead and just do it. Because God knows your future better than you know your past. So if he's in instructing you to spend more time with him, go ahead and give yourself over to it. It's happened to me several times. It happened to me recently, well, in the last eight years, where I felt I was speaking in a, in a certain place and, and, and I was back on the road a bit, even though my kids were still in the house. Every, here, every once in a while, I would take meetings here, here and there. And when and I was in a church, or actually it was a, um, it was like a conference, a women's conference. And after I got done speaking in that conference, I heard the Holy Ghost say to me, he didn't say, it was an impression, it was a thought, it was an inner knowing, it was a desire, it was just all, it was within, it was the voice of my conscience. And, and I just felt like God was saying, I don't want you taking any more meetings until I tell you to. And he literally shut me down. And he said, I don't want you going anywhere. I don't want you doing anything. No more speaking engagements, nothing. And I want you to seek me. And you know what I found out? I found out in that year and a half 
that I had a broken spirit, that I was wounded, and that in order for me to be effective for the kingdom purposes, God had to heal me before he could heal other people. And so I was praying and seeking God, and in those moments and in those times of prayer, God just began to heal my heart. He began to heal the wounds. He began to restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And there's a, a religious thing that we say, you know, he poured in the oil and the wine. Well, what that means is he just ministered his love to me, and he showed me, you know what? Though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. You know what? I love you with an everlasting love. You know what? You're my treasured possession. And in that year and a half, God healed my broken heart. And then there came a time where he released me back into, into the forefront of public ministry. And I was much stronger, had a greater anointing. I was prepared for the next level. And I wasn't ministering as a broken cistern. I wasn't ministering as a wounded soldier because if you're wounded and you're, you're full of like, you know, hurts, what happens is when you stand up to minister to other people, you will affect them in a negative way. You know, you don't want to minister out of anger. You want to minister out of love. And spiritual things are transferable. They're transferable through laying on of hands. They're transferable who you associate with. And they're transferable um, as far as who you sit under and what ministry you follow. So I didn't want to be like that person. There's a, there's a prayer that people pray. I don't know exactly where it is, but it talks about, Lord, I don't want to cause anybody pain. Our motive as leaders should be that we don't want to cause anybody pain. We want to minister out of a clean heart, a pure heart. And so I thank God that I spent that time with him in the secret place. We're going to continue. We talked about Paul having a, a desire to be intimate with God. And his purpose was not to be in ministry. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. He said, my determined purpose is not ministry not to be a big name. My purpose is that I may know him. He had found his purpose. He had done all kinds of things, but at the end of his life, he realized that his purpose was to know Jesus intimately, to be found in him, to have a friendship, a, a, a loving personal association with him, to understand him. And this only comes by spending time alone with Jesus. Andrew Murray once said, some people pray just to pray, and some people pray to know God. I love that. And I believe we did talk about Moses, who was a leader who had intimacy with God. And we found out in the beginning that Moses was afraid of God. And what changed about his perception of God was that he got to know God's character. He saw that God was faithful, and he saw that God was true, and he watched the heart of God and how God loved the people. And by the time, you know, we find in 30 chapters later through Moses' life, we found out that Moses knew God face to face as a man would speak to his friend. And Moses was a great leader. And that should be our goal, to know God face to face as a man would speak to his friend. And not only that, but Joshua was always right there with Moses. Even when Moses would leave the place of prayer, Moses would be right there. I mean, Joshua would be right there and he'd be spending time in God. And 
That's because Joshua had to have a sense of destiny on the inside of him. He had to have a sense of purpose. He had to know something. Did he know that he was Moses' successor? I don't know. But your heart will tell you things that your head doesn't know. That's why we need to follow our heart. And at the end of Moses' life, we found out that his legacy was not that he was a great prophet, although he was a great prophet. He was a great leader. He was a great man. Okay, but that's not what his legacy was. It says here in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9 through 12, that Moses was 120 years old when he died. In other words, he wasn't burned out. He didn't burn out. Why wasn't he burned out? Because he knew God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. He had intimacy with God. And then we see that Joshua is full of the spirit of wisdom. Moses had laid his hands on him. And the children of Israel heeded him. So Joshua's vision and dream that he had in his heart was right, was accurate. He was praying, he was preparing, and now he's taking Moses' place. Because Moses, the Bible says, laid his hands on him. Again, something was transferred. As well as when you spend time in the presence of God, prayer changes things. And the first thing prayer changes is you. So when you're praying, you're being changed and transformed and, and that presence and that glory gets on you and you become like Jesus. So through the association with God in prayer, you're changed. Not only that, but he picked up on the spirit of Moses. But look here in verse 10. But since then there has not arisen in Israel prophet like Moses who the Lord knew face to face. That was his first legacy. That's what I want your legacy to be. If you're a young leader, you have a lot of vision, you have a lot of things you want to do, but let this mind be in you that was also in the mind of Moses. Let your first thought be to know God intimately on your own. Now we're going to close. We could just go on and on, but we're going to close to Mark 14. Leonard Ravenhill once said, in his book, Why Revival Tarries, he said, No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. And I know you've heard me say this if you've listened to other sessions, but I want to repeat it. The people who are not praying are straying. The pulpit can be a shopping window to displace one talents, but the prayer closet allows no showing off. I've seen it, watched it, seen it happen. People rely on their gifts, they rely on their charisma, they rely on their good works, their good looks, and all nine yards. But you know what? That's not going to carry you for the long term. You want to finish the race well. Let's look here at Mark 14. It says here in verse 32, here Jesus has reached the turning point of his ministry. He was born for this moment. And it says they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I shall pray. Now, this, these were the people that were closest to Jesus, kind of like Joshua with Moses. And here we see the disciples. Jesus is bringing them, and he's saying, I need you to sit here with me and pray. And verse 33 says he took Peter, James, and John with him. Now, Jesus is going into the prayer of dedication and consecration. He's deeply troubled and he's deeply distressed. And he says to his disciples, I need you to stand with me. I really need you to be here for me. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. He's saying to his potential future leaders, stay here and watch. And the Bible says he went forward a little and he fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, this would pass from him. 
Verse 36, and he said, Father, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Jesus said, take this cup away from me. But you know the story. He said, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will to be in my life. And then look what happened. The people closest to Jesus, the new budding leaders, the ones that were to pick up the mantle and to bring revival to the church, instead of praying and preparing, what were they doing? It says, he said, couldn't you just watch one hour? They were sleeping. Potential leaders, those of you that are budding leaders, I want to encourage you, This, if you feel called of God into ministry, this is not a time for you to be sleeping. It's a time of preparation, and preparation time is not wasted time. And he says in verse 38, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. What are you saying, Margie? Why are you bringing the scripture out? Because these guys were potential leaders. They were the ones that were going to pick up the mantle. They were the ones that were called of God to bring revival at the birth of the church age. And instead of preparing, they were playing. And so they were sleeping. And they were just not doing what they should. What I want to encourage you to be is like Moses, like Joshua. Be like Joshua, who prepares who's getting ready for your future and ready for your destiny. Prayer opens up the door for God to work. And the more you pray in, in tongues and pray in the spirit, the more you're preparing the way before you. Because the Bible says for a leader like you, that a great door and effectual has been opened to you. But it also says there's many hindrances and many adversaries. That's why we said in the beginning, you're going to have Satan attack you and, and, and try to bring every kind of thing against you. But prayer will keep you strong. And it goes on to say that Jesus went away and he prayed and he spoke the same words. In verse 40, and when he returned, he found them sleep again for their eyes were heavy. And then look at what it says here. And they didn't know how to answer him. You know what I think? I think they were felt, I think they were ashamed of themselves. They had to know that what they were doing wasn't right. But that's why I thank God for the grace of God. I thank God that no matter what mistake you've ever made as a leader or a potential leader, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far your sins can be cast from you. So if you've had a failure or you've had sin in your life or you missed it or you did something really bad, you know what? God can restore you. you can, your setback can be your comeback and God can restore you and he can put you back into the ministry. You know, the Bible says that we should bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. And we should restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. I believe those of us that have been in ministry a long time, we see people, our leaders falling and, and they're truly repentive. We should go in, go in and help restore them, not bury them. Because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And the Bible says, they didn't even know how to answer him. And then he said the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The beauty of Jesus, he was ready because he prayed this prayer. He said, the hour has come. Behold, the son of man is being betrayed. Rise up. He says, let's get going. My betrayer is at hand. So I believe as leaders and potential leaders, you who feel that you have the call of God on your life, and I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it straight up. As you're, if, if, if I'm older than you and you're a new leader, then I could be your mentor. I would tell you that the minimum you should be praying a day is an hour. A day, an hour. 
Well, why do you say that? Because Jesus said to the disciples, he said, couldn't you just watch one hour? Just one. Now, as a leader, with the call of God on your life, that should be your, your, your launching pad. But the minimum should be one hour. Minimum. It's called discipline. And if you're a leader or a potential leader, you have to have a lot of discipline. Couldn't you just watch one hour? Well, how often should I pray, Margie, if I feel called or, you know, I, I feel like God's calling me and I, I'm going to be used by him? Minimum one hour and every day. The Bible says, give us this day our daily bread. Every day. If you really, prayer is the acid test of devotion. You really feel called? Then you'll do the work. Do the work. Not just in the word, but in prayer. Do the work. Do the work. Do the work. It's worth it. I've been there, done that. And keep doing it. It's worth it. Because when you stand and you minister and you minister out of your overflow, and you see people's lives changed, and you see people set free, and you see children, you know, being healed by the power of God, and you see families being restored, it's worth every moment. So I wanna pray for you right now. Father, I pray for these potential leaders. Lord God, I know that I know that I know that I know that spiritual things are transferable. And I pray that my heart, the heart of the Father, the heart of the Spirit, what's been given me would just flow from my heart into their heart, that they would be more than what they could even imagine they could be. I pray, God, that the double portion of the anointing that's on me would come upon these new potential leaders in Jesus' name. I pray for these new leaders, and I pray that it will be said of them like it was said of the early church, and I speak this over their lives, that they that have turned the world upside down have come hither also, and so shall it be, and so may it be for these leaders. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.